Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast, and we've got another little bits and pieces for you, and we're going to be previewing week three um, of the Rugby World Cup and looking through the matches. We have one match that's already happened, but and all the matches to come for this weekend as well. Some big matches um, coming up this weekend, some con- tight con- contests um, compared to last weekend. We have a separate podcast where we preview the Box versus Island. This one's going to look at pretty much all the other matches and just, yeah, going through some of the storylines as we as this World Cup is starting to take shape. I've got Sean with me. Um, Sean, I think I'm going to just start you off with the game that happened yesterday, Italy versus Uruguay. For oh. a moment, for a moment, it oh. looked like Uruguay was about to do something crazy. What's it, what a great first half. Mm. Um, and yeah, just to lead 17-7, they looked in control. Italy looked a little bit shaky. The one thing about Italy, they've been playing so well recently, they kind of know each other and trust each other and trust the process. So for them not to come back would have been quite weird. However, Uruguay also are are loving it. Um, sheesh, yeah. They, they were hurt by that yellow card. Very interesting. You know, we're chatting about that. A lot of people think that that yellow card was probably a penalty only. I actually tend to agree. However, I can't even remember the words I use. You can help me tell a bit. <laughs> I feel that world rugby, in order to... to stop or minimize shit red cards have inadvertently created a lot of shit yellow cards mm. but because once it goes upstairs there's head contact there's you can't not the law states that you can't that it is a yellow card um so it really sucks it sucks and the only reason why that was called up is because there was head contact and the head mm. contact wasn't actually with the rucker which yeah but enough of that Great comeback by Italy. Tommaso Allen had a flippin' game. Oof. Looks like Allen uh, ten and Gobisi twelve is going to be uh, is going to be what happens. Um, but flip, yo, Allen, he deserved the the man of the match. Yeah, look, I think in terms of it, Italy's comeback, I think they did really well. Um, you know, they were asked a mm. big question, and I'm sure there were takes being prepared of Italy should be kicked out of the Six Nations and all that sort of stuff <laughs> at halftime. And I was, yeah, I was, it was the one match I'm sure most rugby fans were conflicted as to wanting Uruguay to win, but also not wanting all the backlash of Italy losers. But they came back well, and that, that attacking pattern looks so good when Italy um, gets it off. In the first half, they just were trying to play too much ball um, from deep in their own half, and they got, um, rightly um targeted um by um uruguay for that um arado the the flanker for italy i mean for uruguay manuel arado he's 20 isn't he he's 20 sorry i i'm also fighting this out as you say it he's 25 i'm sure he's oh well that's so weird i'm i'm almost certain someone said that he played under 20s recently (laughs) five Um, years ago (laughs) yeah obviously but, what um, a machine. I apologize for that, Tyler. Please, you go ahead. You carry on because no, this is he no, deserves I, all that time. I was just gonna say, I'm just bummed with whoever does the official stats for world rugby. He could have had the record for most turnovers in a game, um, but three of his turnovers were taken away. So he has only four, <laughs> if you can say that. But he was a menace in the racks in the first half, and Italy couldn't get anything through. We know that Italy doesn't like kicking. Or tactical kicking, they like to basically run it from everywhere, which Optional frustrates extra. me to no You're gonna pay end. extra for that, eh? They just bought the stock, they just bought the stock attack. You couldn't you could, <laughs> couldn't add attacking kicking to that. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, it literally feels like that. But yeah, um, 
Alan was great, like you said. I love Galbisi at 12. I think he's a nice mix of Pollard and Farrell. Um, Lorenzo Canone was amazing. I love him as an eight. He's just so robust. He just, like, he just, he's almost like a Jasper Visa with a bit more speed. He just breaks through tackles. And obviously, Michele Lamaro, um, massive in defense as well. But yeah, Uruguay can hold this, their heads up high. And oh, if the, I think Jared made the point on Twitter, if Uruguay played more tier one games, they probably would have closed that game out. They just obviously were just hit yes. by inexperience when Italy turned up the pace. They could have done a few things just to slow down the game and just to, you know, slow down the momentum that Italy had. Yeah, but that's we're seeing a lot of it. I think you, you remember how um, in recent World Cups, how quickly tier two sides were blown away. That mm. that has stopped. It's not. It's it's now taking 20, 30, 40 minutes for it to happen, and then and then they're 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 crumbling. So yes, time in the saddle will fix that. And the truth is, tier like if if this side could stay together and be available every um every international window, and they played tier one sides. Tier one sides would 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 worry, like because they can they 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 can you're not going to be getting eighty points of them, um, but yeah, flip what a they were gutted man they were gutted they were targeting this game it was yeah. quite clear, yeah the winner so if, for those who don't know obviously there's the top two you qualify for the top two in the quarterfinals third place is important because that means you're automatically qualified for the next World Cup so. Uruguay was targeting this match in order to get that third place um, spot. But Sean, I'm going to be a bit cheeky now. Italy and Uruguay could scare the All Blacks. I don't think they'll win. I th- okay, Italy, I think, has a bit of a, a better chance. But there's enough there in the attack, and especially if all, New Zealand doesn't have all their big players back, there's enough there to give, I think, New Zealand a scare. France doesn't have a great time with um, Italy. Um, in games because France also goes if if you play running rugby against France France gets trapped into also wanting to outrun you and then they don't yes. go into their basics so Italy and Scotland love trapping them with that so uh, there could be a few stories from these two um, teams because they still Uruguay still has to face both New Zealand and France and Italy has France in their last game and has yeah. a small chance of quite well a chance of qualification if they beat France because they got two bonus points and France didn't get that bonus point against Uruguay. Yeah, it's um Italy could cause chaos. Where Uruguay are gonna help everyone else is by unlocking some options on how to how to crack teams. Hmm. That's probably the best way they're gonna help us. And they will they will make size stress. The best thing is is what Uruguay will do is they will make you doubt yourself. And when that doubt creeps in, it doesn't disappear the next game. That doubt is still there because if one thing goes the way that it did that creates that doubt, just in the first five, 10 minutes, then it's there. Then you, once it's there, then you start opening up that, uh, that crack, you know? So I think Italy are, I think they're very much targeting, um, causing, getting more points. They they re- they believe that they can they can play the knockouts and they know that it's gonna be one big upset but they're just racking up the points all over the show as well. They're top of the log at the moment, the team to be beaten. Mm. So they they they're sitting pretty at the top. They've got obviously their two big matches coming up in the in the next two weeks against the All Blacks first and then France. Speaking of France, France have 
uh, are facing Namibia in a few hours as we record and as you probably receive this podcast. They've picked pretty much their, their whole first team except for Gregory Aldridge to face Namibia. Yeah, this is scary. Um, this could get obviously quite ugly quite quickly. There's, yeah, Namibia's on the scale of probably the if not them, Romania is the worst teams in the in the in the World Cup. I think France is obviously doing this because they have a they have their break this next week, and then they have Italy, so they just want to keep give their um, first team players a bit of time. Yeah, I think that record for bonus try that this for the bonus point try that the Springboks got in eleven minutes could be under threat today. Totally, totally. France are France are out there to make the, this is a statement game for them and. Not because they want to like flex, it's it's right because they, they've got a bye week and then they're getting into the business end. But they don't want they don't want any doubts to creep in, not with this game. This is not a banana skin that you could slip up and lose on, but this is a banana skin that could create doubts and just unravel a lot of issues. And man, <laughs> I looked at that team and I was like, I thought they were playing Namibia. And then I checked the <laughs> fixtures and I'm like, oh, they are. Oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I poor Alistair Kutsia, like he's yeah, he's gonna be facing a big nothing big, new in test match rugby for him, don't worry. Shame, man. Ugh. I feel so sorry for him. And he's yeah, I think he's obviously made the point that like I think his squad is the most amateur of all the squads in the World Cup and they lost Larue Malan obviously to the leg break last week. Like, yeah, they and weirdly enough, tier two rugby's made this point on Twitter. They play all their games in the shortest amount of time. So they finish their four games before a lot of teams um, play their third game. So yes, they've I got also all, saw that. Yeah, they've got all the games, I think, packed into like I think it's 20 days or 18 days or something crazy like that. So they're also on a disadvantage with doing that. And they're facing number three and number four in the world and probably the best attacks in the world as well. So it's, yeah, this this could get quite ugly. <laughs> you probably will listen to this and then maybe now gets a losing bonus point. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, these guys know nothing. Please refer to our previous <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, we've we've... Already admitted that we don't know anything about rugby, to be honest. Okay, so that's basically the Pool A games. Friday has a big game as well. So Argentina comes back into the fray and they're playing Samoa. And this game is almost a knockout game um, for both teams. I think it pretty much means that the winner here will get out of their pool. Argentina basically... Not too many surprises in their team. They've picked more or less everyone that they usually pick. They've picked Moroni instead of um, Sinti at, 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 at center. Um, Samoa's gone with pretty much the same team that played against um, Chile in the first game. I've got a sneaky suspicion Samoa takes this. Um, I've been on record in saying that I think Samoa's going to qualify from the group. I thought it was at the expense of England, but England have turned back the clock to be the 1999 Springboks with the dropped goals and stuff. But... You know, Argentina, if they, I mean, they won't be as bad as they were against England, one hopes. But there's enough in that Samoa team in terms of they've got a good set piece. They carry the ball well. They're great at the game line. They've got someone like Lili Fano directing things at, at fly half. They've got Suteni um, in the midfield as well. You, Yeah, I, I, I think this is a big 50-50 game. I think this is a game that could go either way for each team. If... Argentina didn't crumble the way they did against England. I would say you're talking shit. But 
that doubt I was speaking about is very much firmly in there. And especially after that performance against England, they've had two weeks to stew over it. I'm pretty sure that Shakes told them to come to training with their sneakers because they just ran, <laughs> like just do shuttles and Broncos. Yes, Samoa can totally take this. Argentina, are they going to pitch up with a clear head, like a clear head and, and all that passion and do the basics so they can earn earn their win, earn the platform to do that? Because that's what they're going to need to do. They If they go out flinging mad and, and it's a one-for-one one against Samoa, that's not going to benefit them in the future other than it's going to be a win. And it's just basically going to be uh, like I told you so kind of a win. Yeah, this is this is a big one. Friday is going to be massive, and uh, you're right. The winner is very very likely going to go through the quarterfinals. Yeah, and I think for Argentina, the big thing that they need to improve on is just their tactics and, like you said, their composure because. In that England game, they just, I don't know if it was the, maybe the red card also messed them up as much as it motivated England because (laughs) they didn't kick. Yeah, they didn't kick. They just were like, oh, we're not going to, you know, kick in the the field anymore. And maybe this goes back to my concern with um, playing careers at fly half, him not necessarily being a natural fly half. And they just didn't really assert themselves tactically and got themselves playing in the right position. So England was like, cool. We'll do that. Obviously, they've got George Ford, who's probably one of the best, you know, directors of a game ever. And he decided to take the points and then it just built up more pressure and Argentina just played worse and worse and worse as the game went on. So there's more, there's all the chance for Samoa to do that as well. I mean, if Argentina plays the way that they played in beating the All Blacks in England and Australia in the last few years, they should win this and relatively comfortably. But Samoa should have confidence from how they went to the Pacific Nations Cup and have confidence from the island game that they had before the World Cup. So it's going to be very interesting. I think, oh, and also some interesting personal clashes there. Charlie Famuin and Michael Alatoa coming on um, to scrum in the second half is going to be epic. Argentina's had a lot of weaknesses in the scrum. Oh, I'm so excited for Theo McFarlane versus Pablo Matera. I think that will be yes. an epic um, clash in itself as well. So a lot to look forward to in this game. Um, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it's the deciding um, of this of this group in terms of who comes out second. Anything else about this game, Sean? No, I agree with you totally. It's going to be massive. Jeez. Okay. Another game that could be a sneaky big game as well is Georgia versus Portugal. So they obviously play each other a lot in the Rugby Europe, European Championship, which is on the second tier six nations, so to speak. Portugal. They won't be too scared of Georgia. If if any, if I'm not mistaken, I think they won either this year or last year against Georgia. So it's it's not going to be a mad. It's not Georgia doesn't necessarily just pitch up and just beats you know the likes of Portugal. It, it's going to be a bit of a tighter game than I think most expect. And obviously Portugal gave themselves a good account in that game against um, against Wales. Georgia struggled a bit against Australia, but I think now they should be better from that game. They've um, they've made a few changes here and there, but it's pretty much the same 23s for both teams. Sean, yeah, this I think this is, I mean, most people will look at this and be like, okay, this way I'll do my shopping, but this is a game to stay in for. I think this will be a very close contest between the two. Uh, I don't agree. Ooh. I really feel Georgia 
roll them hard oh, and okay. uh and and put 40 on them hmm hmm yeah, look, I wouldn't mind that because I said Fiji and Georgia coming <laughs> out of this group, so Georgia needs to get a big win here. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see how they respond from that game because I was disappointed. It kind of was the same as the Argentina game for against England. Georgia just didn't really put up that much of a fight against Australia, so they need. I'm sure they did pretty similar to what Chica made Argentina do in terms of fitness for the last two weeks. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But yeah, Portugal obviously looked good in that game against Wales. They had that amazing line-out move. They, yeah, I mean, their coach was talking about being disappointed that the game didn't at least go into like the last quarter with them being in it. So they, yeah, they they should be primed for that game. So the next game is probably going to be the easiest one to predict, or second easiest after the France and Namibia game, which is England versus Chile. England have now turned into, you know, the most 10-man rugby team to ever 10-man rugby. They've gone you know, pretty basic in terms of, you know, play, play territory, play the set piece, get the, get the points when they're an offer and have Joe Marley hitting the ball to, in order to create tries. I don't know if Joe Marley gets the assist for that. He has to. Last touch. <laughs> and it was a vital, vital one. Uh, fantasy points might be on the line here. Look, <laughs> t- talking about Chile quickly, they've had the same sort of formula in their last two games. Start really well. I think they've scored the first try or the return try in both of their games. And then the last 30 minutes, they've fallen off because obviously they're not used to maybe playing, obviously, these um, high-caliber teams. So I think it's more than likely a similar situation happens. England's usually great against the Tier 2 team. They very much like Farrell's back. And Owen Farrell's back. We don't have the teams right now. I'm sure, and I don't know if... Maybe I missed something. We're recording this on Thursday evening, but I don't think England's come out with their team yet. No, but I think Farrell's starting at 10. I, I'm i not sure. I I think you're right, but I'm also not sure. Like, There's obviously been a lot of discussion as to what happens, Ford's playing so well. Do you play Farrell? Farrell, Farrell's, Farrell plays every single knockout game if England make it, so you need to get him on the park. And what better game to get him on the park than against in this Chile? Game. Yeah. Do you think it's 4-10? Well, okay, maybe not for this particular game, but do you think in the strongest team it's 4-10, Farrell 12? Is it Farrell 10? Is it and Ford on the bench? Uh, apparently, Marcus Smith is playing fullback in this game, just to test that out as well. Is it all three of them? I think, like, who knows? <laughs> I I have no problem with... Farrell and Ford both playing 10. So one of them getting benched, it'll probably be Ford, which will cause an outcry. But having said that, is with Farrell at 12, the be- it worked the best when Ford was at 10. Mm. However, it's going to be really difficult. The center pairing has been doing pretty well um, with Tulagi and Marchant. But what essentially will happen, I believe, is um, which burns me, but... Marchant will get will get dropped um, because he covers quite a few positions, so he'll do well on the bench. It'll be if they're going to go with Farrell at twelve, it'll be four ten Farrell twelve to Lagi thirteen, hmm. or Oli Lawrence. I wouldn't mind him coming back in for a start somewhere along the line. Perhaps he'll start on Saturday. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I mean, England now have momentum, and as we've said, this World Cup group is built for one team to get a momentum and to put themselves into a. Um, into a the the running for a semi final. So England, I think all England needs to do is if they they'd be pretty happy if this is like a 
50 or 40 to 50 point win. They get six tries. They have a bit more fluency in their forwards and backs and their attack looks better because it seems like they've got the set piece. They've got the kicking game. They've got the defense back. Ben Earl is not being um, laughed at on Twitter for celebrating everything. So they've, it seems like the good vibes are back now. Did you see the video of Dan Cole doing a Stone Cold Steve Austin um, entrance? Unbelievable. Is, <laughs> welcome, welcome to being on tour. Like that is literally <laughs> like something's happened. He's lost something or he's been, he's taken a bet or something and he's had to, he's had to pull it off and he's nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fantastic. In the next game, we move on to our oh, Saturday night to South Africa versus Ireland. We've talked about that. That's obviously the game of the weekend. Then the two Sunday games, Scotland come back into the world cup and they're facing Tonga um, in their game. Um, Obviously, a big game for Scotland. They need probably to get five points here, depending, well, regardless of what happens on Saturday. They need to get five points and get their World Cup going. Tonga, a bit disappointing, um, but yeah, in the game against Ireland. But yeah, they should be better for playing together. It's still a team that's quite new because obviously all of these players that have changed allegiances haven't really been with the team for that long. So maybe in theory, they get better. Uh, as the World Cup goes on. But yeah, Sean, I I can't think of this being more than like a Scotland 45, Tonga, Tonga 20 type of win. Yeah. One thing that's important to know is Scotland are under pressure to fire a shot. Mm. They didn't fire a shot against South Africa. And this is the best Scottish side coming into a World Cup in Yonks. And they were honestly like... And we all were pre World Cup. We're all saying, like, there's a very good chance that Ireland, South Africa, or Scotland might not make the quarterfinals. And we were honest about it, and truthful too. Scotland have that ability to to hit it and hit it hard. How are they feeling after after they didn't fire a shot against South Africa? I don't know. So let's see how they have to come out and they have to perform and they have to put down that marker because that will in turn put pressure on Ireland next week or sorry, in two weeks time. So um, if Ireland loses, yeah. even if Ireland win, mm. because Scotland are still going to be playing for a quarterfinal spot. Uh, okay. You know, um, I don't know exactly how it'll be by then, but there's a very good chance that if Scotland and Ireland are playing that Scotland are still in with a math- mathematical chance of winning it, mm. of, of making it through. So, I think this game is a lot more important than what it looks like on paper. Yeah, I think especially for that momentum. Now, yeah, I think we get to where I want to have get we to. saved enough time because we need a lot of time. Just enough this. time. <laughs> and Sean, I'll have I'll let you get the first shot. It's the final game of the weekend. It's Wales <laughs> versus Australia. Wales are not the crazy ones for once. They are just quiet. Warren Gatlin has said nothing. There's no leaks. It's all going well. Australia, question mark. (laughs) Sean, do you want to take it away first? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Eddie Jones, but he's made a massive mistake. Um, I'm very, very, very confident just after watching the last couple of games that uh, Ben Donaldson's going to start at 10. Um, I think um, Carter Gordon will probably get benched. Um, Yeah, Donaldson will start at 10 and... They'll either have Kellaway or um, Marky Mark at 15, but probably Kellaway. Yeah, 
Australia are under unnecessary pressure. They didn't have to be in this position. Um, there are a number of guys that are <laughs> that are not in that squad that really could have added value. So, but it, you know, it all comes down to the coach and the same thing in South Africa. And it's different for us because we've won a World Cup and we're this and we're that. But how many times has Jacques Nienaba and Rusty Rasmus and Siokolisi come out and saying, if the guy doesn't fit in our vibe, he doesn't belong. Doesn't matter how good he is. Like you've got to fit in with the team. So if that's the case, then so be it. Is someone being so disruptive that Eddie Jones doesn't feel he's going to reach the end goal? But he's staring down the barrel of, of the worst World Cup performance by an Australian team in history. And this is the guy that was brought in because Australia weren't in form. He's focusing ahead to the Lions tour in two years and then uh, hosting a World Cup in four years. So, yeah, this is this is big time. And Eddie Jones is um, he's been he's been his ass has been cashing checks that his mouth can't. Uh, his ass has been writing checks that his mouth can't cash at the moment, <laughs> or vice versa. She's like, I completely screwed that. I apologize, but. Basically, Eddie Jones has talked himself into a massive corner and he's been so full of shit about it, like he's going to have to have some humble pie soon. Um, if they if they win well on Saturday, then Eddie Jones is going to carry on being Eddie Jones. If they don't win on Saturday, they're out the World Cup and Eddie Jones is going to have to face the music. I don't think he's going to get dumped out of out of coaching um, Australia. But yeah, there's, there's shit brewing. And you're right, Wales... <laughs> I mean, imagine we were saying this two months ago, but but yeah, the water borders Wales are the are, same team here. <laughs> yeah, Wales are just comfortably cruising through. They're just looking at this chaos, going, "We've got this. We've absolutely got this." And Eddie's starting to lose that that Eddie Jones aura a little bit. Yeah, oh, there's so many things to unpack here, Sean. Um, let's start with the Ben Donaldson. I mean, the room. Well, the there's been a bit of a leak or. Chrissy Doran has reported that Ben Donaldson will be the one starting on Saturday, on Sunday. So he picks Carter Gordon. He's the only recognized 10 in the team. Donaldson hasn't really played that much 10 to the point that the Waratahs were happy to release him and he's now gone over to the Western Force. So Donaldson was picked as more of a utility player that obviously has played 10 before, but I think probably plays a bit more fullback because um, Ted Edmund plays, I think, 10 for the Waratahs more. Yeah? So... There is um, a Quade Cooper and a Bernard Foley. I was about available. to say, goodness gracious Sorry. me. No, like, and that, that's the point. Like, obviously, a young 10 like Carter Gordon, chances are, like, especially putting him in a position where he has to run the team for a Rugby World Cup campaign with a handful of test caps before the World Cup started, that he'll have a at least a bit of a wobble, if not... I mean, I've, I haven't watched the Fiji-Australia game more than the highlights, but from what people are saying, it's not like he was bad, but obviously he wasn't good, which is why, you know, having Cooper or Foley there, just to obviously, number one... James O'Connor. Him, or James O'Connor. Uh, to obviously replace him, number one. And number two, just to keep his head up and just be like, look, I was in yes. the situation in 2010 or whenever. None of that but is you there. Know and he's, you know me. He's now killing. Huh? Sorry, very quickly, short. He's now killing the career of another young ten. Like Australia just went through this with Noah Lucio, like where they were picking him, then dropping him, and Renio's doing. Look, weird he's stuff not even with him. in the mix. I completely forgot about him. Goodness, 
So, but I don't. You know get me. What I'm you gain on having? Sorry, dude. I go apologize. on, go on, Sean. I'm, no, I'm. I'm. That's flipping rude. I apologize. You know me. You've got to have someone that you can look either to your left or to your right, or have someone in the training setup that can that you can lean on. That is a, a Lolisio, a Foley, a O'Connor, a Cooper. Like, who do Donaldson and um and Carter Gordon look at for help when they need help? You need someone. There's no one there. There's no one. Yeah, I think the only one that's close is Beric Barnes. Obviously, I think he's one. Of, he's the probably the only rugby union, um, former rugby union player in the coaching staff. Everyone else is Love him. in league or whatever. But what yeah, legend. it's uh, it's so. Mm-hmm. I think this was so predictable. Like this would happen, and this is the reason why everyone was shocked that Cooper or Foley weren't even in the squad in the first place. Then there's the whole mess he did last weekend with the skeleton. Is he in? Is he out? Situation which I did not understand. So everyone was reporting a skeleton is out there. Australia kept him in the team up until I think the, the day of the game. And then they were like, no, skeleton's out and he's out for this game as well. And might be a doubt for the final game. Why? Why do all of this if he's clearly injured and it's clearly a serious injury? So you're playing around with that. Max Jorgensen, um, He's injured now. He's out of the World Cup. He was came into the World Cup just yeah, injured. having been injured. So yes, don't get that as well. <laughs> and obviously, Eddie Jones, he was saying like he's so ready to play Wales, wants to play them now. It's just an absolute mess. Like apparently also with the Max Jorgensen thing, just to I forgot to say it, is they called up Dylan Peach, the um young outside back from the Waratahs and then they told him to stop like preparing to go to France so they no. recalled him then unrecalled him um, according no. to Christy Darren which is obviously absolutely crappy if that's the case if that's true like Sean yeah like 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 you said I'm also a fan of Eddie Jones I've backed him at least in the England case of like He's got a plan. He's obviously very eccentric and, you know, drives system coaches away and it's not great with player management, but he gets the results done. I think that era is over now. He doesn't, he hasn't got the results for France. I mean, for Australia and for England. He's not been good at all with player management. Like this team desperately is calling out for experience from a Hooper or a Cooper or JOC or um, uh, Foley just to help them steer the ship. And they maybe could have actually won that game against Fiji if they just had one of those experienced players on the on the field. Now, the other experienced players that they did have on the team, the other two players that have played at least either a lot of test matches or their captain, they're also out. Like, it's kids now that are out there. And I just don't... Yeah, I can't see how Australia now turns this around. Like, this is... Like you said, this is heading to be the worst Australian performance in a World Cup ever. And... I don't know what you do after this because if the idea, like um, like you said earlier in your thing, Sean, if the idea was we're backing the youngsters for 2025 and 2027, then why not play Carter Gordon until, like, play him through the bad form? So he learns from the mistakes from Fiji and it becomes better. Now you're just killing his confidence as well. 
you've called up and then called down someone with Dylan Peach. You've called up someone that was injured and now he's out of the World Cup. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's... Now, my question is, is Quake Cooper going to answer that phone call? No. <laughs> no. I, I, think, I think that's pretty... The thing that's pretty clear, which burns me. I am a massive fan of Quake Cooper. Mm. So we're not going to see him at a World Cup, which I hate. Will Bernard Foley answer? Probably because he was playing for the S, uh, the SAA, the Australian ASI. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, James O'Connor was playing for the Aussie A, so he's available. Uh, I assume that he would be in the mix. The fact that he was going to call up Peach freaks me out because what hole is that going to close? It's not. Like Max Jorgensen wasn't going to have a massive showing at the World Cup, A, because he's injured and B, because he's young and the other guys are in his position are doing pretty well. So why not bring up a fly half type person? This is coming from a South African <laughs> where the Springboks <laughs> replaced the hooker with a 10. So like if you don't care what I have to say, I understand totally. But yeah, the Aussies need a 10 um, desperately. And, uh, and it's no like... The thing is, is Carter Gordon will benefit from it more more so than what he's doing right now. Mm. And so will Ben Donaldson. Um, and they're running pretty thin. Like, they're running really thin at, at, at 10. There's only one and a half 10s there. And the one they've, they've benched. And they're putting the half in. Crazy. Yes. It's such a crazy team. And then, like, yeah, I don't think there's clarity in their game plan like they looked like they were not really clear on how they wanted to beat Fiji as well Squid Rugby breaks down that victory from Fiji as well they're just out tacticed by Fiji which I mean obviously all due respect to Fiji they're a really good team and they've got a great team and coaching staff and 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 and, and all sorts but with Australia's resources yeah that that shouldn't be the case like yeah I I think this is this someone a Welsh fan said like on a tweet while I was talking about this game that this is inevitably heading for a Wales last minute loss because they've had obviously terrible luck against Australia in the last like 10 or so years so that would be really hilarious if that happens yeah that's what the thing is is we're not we're all talking about how shit Australia and, our, and how Wales are going to win this um, you know that Wales that Welsh side that they named for the openings the opening game it was like I was like, damn it, they've actually got some decent players there. <laughs> we thought Wales were like screwed, but they've got a pretty solid starting 15. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, uh, man, it's going to be crazy. It's, yeah, I think for Wales, the big thing is just they um, experienced players just need to at least have good games and manage the game well. So, your Biggers, your William Williamses, your George North, Jack Morgan now is an experienced player. Beard and Rollins, um, Dowie Lake. Like, if those players are all at least good, six, seven out of 10, it doesn't matter what Australia does, it'll be a pretty easy win. But yeah, and Bigger obviously needs to, obviously, we know that he sets the tone for Wales and to the point of shouting his teammates if need be. Um, so, <laughs> all, if, if Bigger just makes, yeah, like, I think this game goes as far as Dan Bigger is able to play and play like decently. If 
because having a, a just a normal Dan Bigger game, this could be an easy game for Wales, honestly. Um, like there's nothing, which is I think every team has something that they're good at. Australia, Wales, I think they proved with that Fiji game that they still good at the good old Warren ball of absorb and counter. Australia, I don't know what they're good at. So it, it should Wales be. Wales are going to kick threes and yeah. they're going to put Australia under so much pressure and then they're going to concede tries. Or Eddie Jones has pulled the wool over ours. <laughs> yeah, I think the only reason why I, I'm like 10% maybe Australia wins is yeah maybe these Jones and these world-class players wake wake up. But yeah, I, I'm starting to see that less and less. So that could be the deciding of that pool as well. If Wales wins, it's pretty much Wales and Fiji. But I still think Georgia's going to have something to say about this. I, I still think Georgia might sneak a win against either Wales or Fiji and still maybe give Australia a lifeline. So Australia at the very least needs to make sure that they can get a bonus point just to keep themselves in the game. Sean, I think that is it. Um, it's a very competitive weekend we've got coming up. We had Italy in um, Uruguay. Argentina Simone is going to be good. South Africa Island is going to be good. Georgia, Portugal might be good. Uh, Wales, Australia. <laughs> we'll see if this is the end of Australian rugby as we know it. Lots to look forward to. Lots to get excited for, Sean. Yeah, absolutely wild. Like we have, we have great games Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Um, they are going to be epic. Um, calling South Africa Island good, Tyler. You now officially on fraud watch. It's going to be epic. <laughs> I just want to. Uh, okay, there's the same number of letters. We're just running out of time here, but yeah, it will be. Obviously, a fantastic game. I think this will be the best weekend of the World Cup. Week one was great. Week two was a bit of a lull. Week three, I think this is going to be the weekend that separates the haves from the have-nots. Brilliant. Oh, can't wait. And finally, just a bit of news. We've partnered with our friends from Classic Shirts um, South Africa. They are running a promo for some vintage um, Springbok jersey gear. So please look out on our Twitter page for more detail about that. There's also a discount code available for people that want um, some nice Springbok merch. So yeah, we're very excited about that, Sean. I still need to deliver yours to you. So I will probably talk oh, to you about it. that. I have, yeah. It, it got delivered to me. Perfect. But yeah, you'll get Perfect. it as well. I can't okay. wait. Get it okay. get it soon. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for week three's preview. We're going to see you after these weekend's games. Thanks.